everyone, and welcome to episode 244 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. I am James, joined by Ryan and a special guest stepping in for Paul on the holiday weekend, Steve Garshinsky, back with us. How are you doing, Steve? Good. Glad to be back uh, talking about a few wins, so that's good. I'm glad I missed a, a couple weeks ago. That would have been a more painful show to get through. Very depressing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ryan, how's your weekend going? I, I saw you made a trip up to Madison. Yeah, I was in Madison on uh, Friday afternoon. I was supposed to go with Steve, but then he got sick, so couldn't go to the uh, My Morning Jacket show at Bree Stevens, but it was quite good. So it was uh, it was nice. I'd never been to a show at Bree Stevens, so that was awesome. Uh-huh. And there was sandwiched with two days at Summerfest, so uh, just ready to like sit around the house and do nothing today. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually went to my first uh, Bree Stevens show last week too. I went and saw uh, Bare Naked Ladies and Gin Blossoms. So that that was a very good show as well. Um, those guys, you know, 55 years old now, but still can rock. <laughs> it was a fun show for sure. Uh, perfect weather for some shows this week outside too. So yeah, it really was beautiful, the, especially the wind off the lakes in Madison uh, at Bree Stevens. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be more stiflingly hot in there, and uh, it was nice. It was really, really, it was a cool setup, and I enjoyed it. I've been in that place a lot over my lifetime for mostly for soccer. Watch my brother uh, play soccer there quite a bit, and it's a it's a cool old stadium. I think it was built by the uh, the Works Progress Administration in the '30s, so it's a cool mm-hmm. like historical relic. I love it. It is, yeah. It kind of just cool sitting right off of East Wash there. If you've never been, Ryan, have you gone to a Ford Madison soccer match yet? I have not. No, my brother, uh, who lives part time in Madison, uh, has been to several and enjoys them and thinks they're quite fun. But I've never made my way over there for one yet. So I'll need to do that. Yeah. You know, I know nothing about soccer, but my understanding is the team is kind of trash, but it's a fun environment. So (laughs) definitely good to go. Yeah. Are they like the Flamingos or something? Uh, Yeah, that's the mascot. It's for Madison FC. Um, And yeah, they're Flamingos. So pink and blue, the colors there. Uh, shout out to the old um, Bascom Hill prank with the Flamingos every year. Oh. That, that's that's the tie there. Uh, but that yeah, makes sense. definitely. Yeah, it's a good time if you haven't gone, um, even if soccer's not your thing. But uh, they do a good job there, too. Uh, plenty of beer, craft beer options, too, Ryan. <laughs> so you'll enjoy that. Yeah, I'm told that so Bree Stevens was obviously at one point used as like a, a baseball slash softball stadium. My dad was telling me how it used to be in right field that because it was such a short porch that there was the foul line down the line. Right. But then there was also mm-hmm. a pole kind of in right center where if you hit the it, in between that pole and the foul pole, it was a double, not a home run. So there was like a huh. doubles pole as well there. Uh, just because it was such a short porch and they had to turn it one way or another, you weren't going to get like a full. And I imagine that's pretty common for, uh, you know, different types of stadiums that were used for playing baseball. in. like, I know that the yeah. uh, when the, the Dodgers first moved out to the West Coast and they were still waiting for Chavez Ravine to be built, uh, that they were playing in the Coliseum. And they had some right. weirdness there, too. They had a giant net at one point or it was like this massive, <laughs> right. uh, basically, like you had to either hit it over the net for a home run or if you hit the net, it was a it was a double. Um, so they kind of constructed like their own like temporary green monster along one of the sides of the Coliseum because that was the only place they could really play. Yeah, it, I love like the old timey baseball rules like that. Like, oh, if you hit this pole, it's a double and not a home run. And and. 
I guess speaking of weird baseball parks, the Brewers played at the Trop this week, so we can talk about that. <laughs> the the airing, the bearing, the searing, and the deering. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we learned more about catwalks than I ever knew about this week. And Louisa well, and the Brewers were hitting those catwalks quite a bit too. <laughs> they yes, were. They, they really were. were. Tellus hit him they twice, were. didn't he? I think uh, so. Maybe. And Adamas did as well. Yeah. Yep. Orius had a home run off one. It was it was a, a interesting week in baseball rules, but uh, we'll get to that. But first, a reminder, if you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate for as little as two bucks a month. That gets you question priority on all of the podcasts on our network. Five bucks a month, though, gets you that question priority, plus some exclusive podcasts, including the Minor League Extra with Ryan and James Anderson from Rotowire. And they will be recording their MLB draft preview episode coming up in the next week. Although, as Steve told us before, nobody cares about the draft. So um, ha- have fun recording that, Ryan. Yeah, we we will enjoy it. And Steve can listen to it <laughs> at his leisure because I think he still has the login. So he just like goes and listens <laughs> to it as, as he wishes for that stuff. But uh, yeah, James and I are recording on Tuesday afternoon so i will put out a call for questions for that pretty much right away after this one goes up so it auto downloads i uh, hit mark is played and then delete <laughs> is that <laughs> you actually were able to set that up because we had questions about that from some people who wanted to know how you set that up uh they weren't able to use the uh the rss feed on it and there was something wonky about it so uh i actually oh, I sent know. i sent them your way i think it was jd uh was asking about <laughs> it i thought i sent them your way uh, for help with setting that up so it works it does work you can do it there you go uh so be on the lookout for that as as ryan said last week when we were talking about kind of previewing this draft uh all the pitchers are hurt and mm-hmm. uh i i fully expect the brewers to draft like five guys with tommy john now um although they may be dealing with more elbow injuries <laughs> of their own but we can mm-hmm. talk about that as well uh, so be sure to look for that uh, uh, as well coming up this week. Or if you're not a patron yet, it's a good time to sign up just so you get that preview of the MLB draft. All right. I guess on the big league side of things, we're at the halfway point of the season already. It does not seem like the season's half over. It's kind of flown by to me. I don't know about you guys, but um, I guess let's just start this week overall. What are your feelings about the team as we head into the second half of games now? Uh, now that as we do this on Sunday morning, we're heading into game 81. Uh, so I guess... Steve, let's start with you because you're you're the guest of honor here. Do you have any confidence in this team uh, that they could make some noise in the playoffs? Or are you still kind of iffy on them? I mean, I, they can obviously make some noise. I think at a minimum, if you have Burns and Woodruff at the top of the rotation, you're you're probably doing all right. Um, but you know, clearly their their depth is being tested, which um, I think for the rest of the season gives you some pause. Uh, you know, we've seen Eric Lauer is not the ace of aces. Um, he was early in the season. You know, it's, it's kind of caught up to him a little bit. I don't know if it's a workload issue because I know his velocity's down. Um, and, and that's been an issue for him as well. So, you know, I think maybe if there's an, a Lauer bounce back a little bit, that that would help as well. So they have three guys in that rotation because, you know, even if, and I think we'll talk about a little bit later, even if the lineup's relatively balanced, you know they're still going to need those horses at the top of the the rotation basically to 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 make them i think a more dangerous team uh pushing for the playoffs and then hopefully once they're in there yeah their game on saturday looks like it knocked them out of the top there there's a cluster of teams kind of right around league average 
in terms of runs allowed. And Milwaukee was sort of towards the top of that cluster. And then they gave up seven against the Pirates on Saturday. And now they're kind of down further in that cluster. They went from like, I think, 12th to 17th yesterday with that seven runs allowed performance. But uh, point still kind of is that they have the horses here. The, the offense was up to like 10th in MLB after their big 19 run outburst on Friday. Uh, they have the 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 horses here and the overall uh, team to be very dangerous in the playoffs, but it's going to take them getting first off somewhat healthy. And that's not everybody being healthy. It, it does feel like Adrian Hauser. We're probably not going to see again, but we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Um, but it's so important. Like Woodruff came back and looked really good. Like his stuff looked really crisp and he was throwing 99. He was topping out at 99 in that first start. And we'll see him again. Uh, this afternoon, we're recording on Sunday morning, but uh, we'll see him again. And he looked like he was quite back and, and looking good. Freddie Peralta is going to be really important, too, for them to get him back and to get that that top three back intact. And if they have that, that is like Steve said, you sort of have your buy in to be like a, a, a dangerous playoff team by virtue of having you know a number of good starters like that. And then. From that point, you just have to hope that like the offense is clicking at that point. And the other big thing that they'll need to do is they need to get some reinforcements, probably offensively, probably in center field. Hopefully, Ramon, Ramon Laureano is the one that uh, <laughs> we've been talking about a lot on here. But there are other guys as well, potentially, maybe. So we'll we'll see what they end up doing. But uh, it's a it's a very good but flawed team at this point. But those flaws, I think, are mostly fixable. You have incredible depth. There's a lot of depth on this team, and that has been able to see them through and keep them you know, 10 games above 500 to this point, despite just a total raft of injuries. They've just been really hit with injuries. And to be where they're at with that number of injuries is impressive, and it shows the depth that was constructed. And David Stearns has always been about constructing rosters by depth. And this has been you know, sort of the 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 proof that of how well that works but what will that mean come playoff time you, you just don't know it's you know it's basically a coin flip when you get there yep uh total crap shoot but i think you make a good point when you say there, there's some flaws here but i think it's none of them are fatal flaws at <clears> least not anymore right with um Kane off the roster and there's not really a black hole in this lineup and that kind of leads me to our first Patreon question of the week coming from Mark Potscarby. Uh he's asking uh he's seen a lot today he sent this on Saturday about how the offense has 12 guys with a 100 or better OPS plus but no elite hitters in it which is better a fully balanced lineup one through nine with no elite hitters or a stars and scrubs lineup like the Brewers used to employ. So, um, you know, this comes after our, our friend Kurt Hogue kind of tweeted something on Saturday, basically saying as of that day, the Brewers had a 103 WRC plus as a team, which would be actually the best offense in the Stearns era, which is kind of hard to believe when you watch this team, Steve. But um, I guess let's start with Mark's question here. Which would you prefer that fully balanced or uh, something with a, a more elite hitter kind of anchoring everything? I mean, I, I think when you have the, pitching staff intact you want you just want the balanced offense for 162 games um i think as long as you're just kind of putting up runs every game that's kind of what you're looking for 
um, to, to let the pitching get you through. I don't know if, you know, that's kind of been the fatal flaw once you get to the playoffs, though, is you need that guy who's basically going to carry an offense, basically will in a couple extra runs um, just on their sheer ability alone. Um, you know, and you always hope that's kind of like a star doing that. Um, but sometimes you get that kind of unknown guy who can who can pop during the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, over the course of 162 games, I think the more balanced you are, the better you're going to be, the more you're going to kind of hit or exceed those expectations. But, um, yeah, we'll see where that takes them at the end of the season. Like I said, th- there is a certain point where I think you want that lineup anchor that they're just missing at this point. Yeah, you're going to need people to be hot and you have a better chance of having somebody being like super hot to carry the offense if you have a really, really good hitter. There's a better chance that guy's going to be hot come playoff time, but it isn't a guarantee. We've we've seen that where we've had guys go really quiet in the playoffs and not do uh, that. Think about the 2011 playoffs and was Ryan Braun really like that was his MVP year and I don't really remember him having a huge impact in that playoffs I think uh, Prince Fielder was pretty good but I don't think so much even like Ryan Braun was so it's no guarantee I think Braun had a good NLDS against the Diamondbacks right because that's why oh, that's so right pissed about his PEDs because that's when he tested positive was during that series okay yeah 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 you're right he it was against the Cardinals then that he wasn't as good so right okay they had yeah because they had Dotel to basically shut him down and Zepchinski to shut down Fielder and yeah mm-hmm. and that, that works the yeah yeah so it, but just kind of you know looking up and down the roster there's a lot of guys I think who are capable of getting hot who are you know if if Rowdy Tellez is hot like he has been this last week and hitting for power he can easily carry your offense because there's so much power there he could just if he's smacking home runs left and right like he can he can carry that load. And I think Willie Adamas is sort of the same way. Like Willie Adamas mm-hmm. has a lot of power in that bat, and he's capable of of doing that as well. And it will we'll see. You know what ends up happening. There's a there's a Christian Yelich question. By the coming. way, I'm oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to interrupt with the bronze stuff real quick. He slashed <laughs> uh, 405, 468, 714 for an 1182 uh, OPS. Uh, in the 2011 playoffs, in the whole playoffs, or that was in now, the DS? that was for the entire that was for the entire playoffs. Oh, holy cow! Okay, never mind. All right, my memory <laughs> my memory was not good. That's what I get for going from memory on that. Um, that was also peak PED superpowers, Ryan Braun. So there yeah. you go. Am I thinking like the 2008 playoffs? Wasn't it like only JJ Hardy hitting that series against the Phillies? That four gamer where they you know got unceremoniously ushered out. It was I think yeah, everybody I think was so. cold in that in that series. Yeah. He had almost a, a thousand OPS against uh, it, just in the Cardinal series. Oh, wow. Okay. So he was just fine in, in yeah, that. Was fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, it just overall, like there are guys in this lineup who can get hot. Renfro is a guy who's perfectly capable of smacking a bunch of home runs when uh, he gets hot. So, like, Even Urias right now is kind of on a power binge for a little bit too, right? Seems like that power is coming around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have they have some guys who are capable of doing that. It's just a question of will they? And last year they got into that series against the Braves, and everybody was cold. And it just up and down the lineup, everybody was cold, and it had been at, especially notable because they had been cold the last few weeks of the season. 
So mm-hmm. they had a rough end of the season and then that played right into the playoffs and it left, you know, a very bad taste in everybody's mouth of of what the offense was when really throughout most of the season after Adamas joined the team from the end of May through the beginning of September, the first week or two of September, they were one of the better offenses in the National League. So and then were, Adamas got hurt. So that kind of well, and Escobar got up. hurt and yep. they, they were missing a bunch of guys. And then they those guys made it back for the playoffs, but they weren't really you know, they weren't back to being themselves at that point. They were still not quite on a hot streak. And that's why baseball is so hard. You can't build a a team for the playoffs. You can't build something. You can hope that you'll get there and that it'll work and all of that. But there's just too much randomness in what happens in in baseball that you can't really guarantee yourself postseason success. Because if you could, you know, the Dodgers and the Yankees would have more than what one World Series apiece this century so (laughs) like those teams have have dominated have been in the playoffs just about every year and have been really really good and yet you know they they haven't dominated in the postseason and and won a bunch of series so yeah you just can't arrange for success in the postseason that way there's an old roger angel line from uh uh from the ken burns baseball uh, documentary where he said, you know, the, the Yankees, George Steinbrenner thought he could arrange for success and baseball just doesn't work that way. It just, that's not how it, it, it functions. You can't arrange for success. Yeah. You can, uh, build the perfect team over 162 and then you run into, uh, the Braves in the playoffs and friggin' Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler are hitting home runs left and right. And you're out like the Dodgers were last year. Right. So mm-hmm. yep. there you go. All right. Um, I guess moving on now, another piece of the offense, uh, you know, we're in trade season and we've got a couple more questions about trade deadline stuff, but the birds are getting a bat back in their lineup as of, I guess, today on Sunday without having to make a trade. Pedro Severino returning after serving his 80 game PED suspension. So he won't be eligible for the playoffs because of that. That's important to note, but uh, maybe Ryan, could he provide some value in the second half? He has kind of been playing some first base during his little rehab stint to get up to speed here. Yeah, I'm sure he can. Uh, He did look good in spring training. He was hitting for some power, some really notable power uh, before the suspension hit. So think (laughs) of that what you want. Yeah, (laughs) I always I tend to think that's pretty stupid. I said that last week, like the, the idea that, oh, yeah, guy takes steroids, hits a bunch of homers like that's usually the narrative. And then you you look at some of the lists of the people that were taking steroids during the steroid era and you're like, that guy didn't hit any homers like it's not. It's not a one to one correlation or whoever. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, he could be interesting and useful. The thing is, they just don't need him because they they seem to have hit, you know, the jackpot with Victor Caratini, who is the the uh, what the the uh, the poster boy for backup catcher. Like he's everything you want. Mm -hmm. He literally a switch hitter. So you don't worry about him from either side of the plate. He plays, you know, really solid defense, does a good job defensively and is just you know game to be in there as much as uh you know as they need to depending on what's going on with narvaez so they just kind of don't need him at this point because they they hit the jackpot with caratini but it's always nice to have depth and if you know somebody gets hurt now what did they do i didn't even see this i didn't realize he was back uh who did they take off the roster for him tyrone taylor went on the uh seven day il with a head injury yeah yeah Oh, it was Tyrone Taylor, not Jonathan Davis. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, 
I didn't even realize that yesterday. I was listening to the game uh, when I was done at Summerfest, so I didn't see that. Okay, that's not great. Um, yeah, so at least a short-term roster solution. But yeah, they're going to have to make a probably longer, tougher choice in the next week or so, right, to, to keep him on the roster. But um, I guess maybe, too, he could help maybe some of the left-hand pitching woes because he, he's typically mashed lefties, right? So mm-hmm. that could be a plus. Yeah, but then again, like, so then Victor Caratini doesn't play as much or Narvaez doesn't play as much, and those guys have been great. So it's kind of a tough situation. Like, I'd I'd like to, you know, not upset the apple cart with what they've got going on with their catcher situation because it's been, they've been, had the, according to Fangraphs, the most productive catcher position in baseball this year. The Brewers have, have been more productive than anybody else at catcher. So it's, uh, Right. Not something that you it's it's not a need. <laughs> this is not the place that they right. needed to, to add an upgrade. It's nice to have it. You can never have too much depth, especially at a position where guys get hurt like at catcher. But um, th- this is just kind of extra. Yeah, I mean, he did kind of, as we mentioned, play some first base just to kind of work him in and see if he can handle that uh, during his minor league rehab assignment. But I guess Craig Council on Saturday basically saying, yeah, they're not going to push him into the lineup there right away. They're going to try to ease him in. And also, like we mentioned, Rowdy's hitting really well right now, right, Steve? So it's like it's kind of tough to find a spot for him in the lineup right now, I guess. Yeah, you're not going to give him swings at first base when Rowdy's doing fine. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It is. You're basically holding on to a piece for depth. especially when you're talking about catchers, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, you know, goes on the IL for some reason coming up and then you're going to want that, that extra piece. But um, I don't know. They're going to carry three catchers for a while. At least for a little bit. Yeah. You know, so that, that's going to be kind of uh, sub suboptimal. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Yeah. Just to correct what I said before, uh, last I had looked, they were at first, according to Fangraphs. They're down to fourth now. Toronto has not surprisingly moved into first at catcher because they've got three of them that are really, really good. So uh, they're up at 4.2. The Cubs, mostly behind Wilson Contreras, 3.5. And then Atlanta at 3.1 more uh, is third. And Milwaukee's at 2.8. So they're still a very, very good catching team, but they aren't at the top anymore. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess speaking of people going on the IL, uh, we mentioned kind of at the top, Adrian Hauser going on the IL after leaving a, a start in Pittsburgh early with, with uh, an elbow injury. It looks like it's a flexor strain. So uh, kind of worrisome there, but maybe kind of explains why he would have been less effective over the last month or so, if that's something he's been dealing with. I guess on the other end, in good news, Aaron Ashby has seemingly avoided elbow disaster for now. He returned on Saturday. Uh, looked maybe a little rusty, but uh, sounds like his forearm strain was more fatigue-related. So that's kind of interesting. And, and like Steve mentioned, maybe Eric Lauer kind of struggling with some fatigue issues as well. So I guess all of that in mind uh, with Brandon Woodruff back now, Ryan, do we feel a little bit better about the pitching depth if Ashby and Woodruff are back? Or would you really still like to see a back end starter kind of added at the deadline just to 
add that little piece of depth. Well, so I feel better about the top end for sure with Woodruff and Ashby back because I feel like Ashby can be that guy. He to this point he you have know, 460 ERA overall. It's pretty mediocre, but I think that we've seen glimpses of him being better than that and uh it's sort of a matter of him fixing like the the big innings and um that sort of thing to to get that straightened out and i think there's a considerable amount of upside with ashby that maybe isn't there with somebody like say lauer so i feel better about the top end for sure uh, i'm very concerned about the depth and i'm pretty much done with the jason alexander experience i understand that it's a great story and everything but uh really don't want to see him starting any more games because he just puts on too many runners just straight up there too many runners reach base against him and so kind of done with that and now with hauser out and freddie peralta the the last we heard was he was uh long tossing already and they were really happy they thought his progress was ahead of schedule so but i still don't think we're going to see him until at least a couple weeks after the all-star break i think august would be the you know early august would be the soonest we would possibly see him so and that's allowing for you know not really any time for uh for uh setbacks or anything so if there's any setback then the timeline gets even longer so i think they really do need to add depth and i think that we will see them add depth but it's probably unfortunately going to be at the end of the month i think i doubt we're going to see it real early because I think teams are very cautious about making deals uh, before the deadline with a team like the Brewers because the Brewers tend to uh, have certain guys, especially in this area, when you're picking out pitchers with the Brewers, uh, I wouldn't trust anything that they said when they came asking for my pitchers. So <laughs> like, I wouldn't, I would, I'd be like, what are we missing? I, that'd be the first thing of a GM. If I got a call right. or a text from David Stern saying, we want this guy, uh, I would turn to my people, my development people and whatever, and be like, okay, what are we missing on this guy? Like what, right. what are we screwing this up here? Because you just it's like know. trading with the rays. Yeah, yeah. You're like, it okay, is. but yeah, exactly. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but um, Steve, I guess, how are you feeling about, you know, possibly losing Hauser long-term now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an issue because I think Ashby is still better served coming out of the pen right now. Um, it just seems like you get two to three innings out of him maybe um, before the wheels start falling off, um, which it's just too hard with him as a starter. You, you kind of start to get some confidence, um, and then at some point, like, you just don't get the innings out of them and you really get into some trouble. And then you don't have that release safe, release, relief ace <laughs> in the middle of the game, you know, in, in the middle of the game to bring in basically to cover for somebody like that since you're already, you know, basically Ashby's already out there. So, um, yeah, I think this is the point where they've they've run out of depth i think to be able to put guys in better situations so i don't know what you do about that yeah they could try to make a deal at the the deadline but um i think you're always hoping at this point you know for whatever you get you know when you're trading for a pitcher and that won't come cheap anyways plus it's always seemed like that was the, the area of strength like they would trade from pitching to get what they needed for the rest of the run i don't know what they give up um, to get another arm in the rotation. You know, I think they're basically just kind of looking for a guy that they might be able to, um, you know, coax a little something out of for a few weeks, basically, 
as they try to get everybody else back. And again, I think, you know, if Lauer can work through his stuff right now, I think that would be probably the biggest boost to the the pitching staff is getting him. And I don't expect him to be, again, the AC was early in the season, but, um, you know, just a guy who can work deeper into games, you know, kind of keeping him, keeping the run count below like three in his, you know, six innings or whatever he gives you. As long as he could start to do that, I think that would be a big um, boost to what they have. Well, the key for Lauer is that he doesn't have anybody on base when he gives up the home run because the home run's going to happen. It It is just part of who he is as a pitcher. He's an extreme fly ball pitcher, and he he's prone to giving up home runs. And so if it's a solo shot, you can deal with that. If it's a three-run shot, that's a lot harder to, to take. So you just have to kind of hope that when the the home run ball does come, that it's not uh, it's not crippling that way. And early in the season, he was still allowing some home runs, not like he has been lately. He's really been on a, a, a run of allowing home runs. But early in the season, when he would give it up, it tended to be a solo shot or maybe there was one runner on. And now it's been, you know, more damaging uh, that we've seen the the trade I keep thinking of in terms of what the Brewers will do is something that looks a lot like the 2019 trade. Remember when they sent out Mauricio Dubon and I think some other guys, but Dubon was the headliner to San Francisco and they got back Jordan Lyles. Right. And they got back. Um, no. Those are separate deals. Oh, was they it got separate Pomerantz. deals? Yeah, Pomerantz came Pomerantz. in. Okay. For Dubon. Yeah. Oh, Pomerantz for Dubon. And then didn't somebody else come back with him, though? I don't recall. For some reason, I remember it being a one for one. But okay. Um, but yeah, something similar like that, right? Where kind of maybe you're kind of talking like a middling pitcher or two, and then they turn out to be dynamite. Yeah, somebody off the radar who the team has identified and has said we can make this guy better than what he's been, and they have a real track record of doing this. They did it with Swarzak in seventeen. Uh, I believe they did an 18. I'm having trouble remembering who it would have been that they did with an 18, but they have sort of this track record of making moves like this that are under the radar that don't impress anybody. And then the guy ends up being very good down the stretch because they acquired him for a specific reason. And when they target people, when they choose a guy for specific reasons, uh, they tend to do pretty well in that. That's something that just is uh, part of uh, their core skill set at this point. Yeah, they did it with Lyles twice, right? Like they, they did. brought him back two years in a row uh, because of that. But um, yeah, I think talking about Lauer again, I think the All Star break is really coming at a good time for him because, like Steve said, he kind of just looks tired to me too, right? Like he's lost a couple miles per hour off that cutter. It's not cutting as much, and that's kind of led to that home run binge where you know if you miss with a cutter up and it's not cutting, it's a BP fastball, and that's what happens to those so maybe an ex, uh, extra week or so off skip a spot in the rotation maybe if that's possible uh maybe kind of gets his arm fresh again for the second half um all right and they do have a lot of off days here actually i believe they have uh dual off days coming up on monday and thursday is that correct uh something like that yeah we we talked about that last week too right that they have so many off days that they could probably get by without um needing a six starter so uh, that that's true too they could possibly kind of give guys rest here or there maybe ashby again too if they're just easing them in so uh there's there's some room to play with this heading into the all-star break 
All right, heading into other Patreon questions this week, we got one from Adam Post talking about that Rays series in Tampa Bay. And he's asking, are you surprised that Willie Adamas started both games in Tampa considering his history of poor hitting in that park? So, you know, as we've talked about frequently, famously, he said he couldn't see at the drop. He tried everything and it's just something with the lights in the batter's eye there that he could never really hit. Uh, So two game series. So I, I guess I don't know if, it would have made sense to kind of bench him <laughs> for two games. But uh, Steve, are you surprised at all that, that they still counted on him as a uh, middle of the order kind of back there? It It's two games and he's a good defensive player regardless. So, yeah. you know, I think that, that, that kind of plays um, in that regard. You know, if, if it was like a, a postseason series against Tampa Bay and you were in the trop, like, I don't know, maybe you'd try to figure out something else that would work. But, you know, again, for the most part, I don't think you want to take uh, Adamus's glove off the field either way. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think you kind of work through it. It's fine. Again, it was two games. Who knows? It takes one swing and then it looks like a good series. against the <laughs> Right. Yeah, and he did right. hit a home run there. So, like, it, I don't know what he did for the rest of the series. I no. Think. Did he? Yeah, he hit a home run there. Did he? No, he didn't. No, oh, he didn't. Was Urias. That was Urias. Oh, it was Urias who hit the home run. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But but he did have a decent first game there. He got on base a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so and that's I mean, all it wasn't you really need disaster. to do in that situation. Yeah. Because like Steve said, this is he's a defensive player. He is a, a really good defender. And especially in that hellhole of a park with that roof that they have. I want as many people who know what they're doing in terms of tracking baseballs uh, defensively in the air. Uh, as yeah. possible like I want him on any infield pop-up I want him taking charge of it and getting to that ball because uh, th- from what everybody has said it, like the ball is basically the exact color of the roof that was that stadium is and like a, a veritable orgy of poor planning and in, in terms of they put it in the worst possible location where nobody can get to it it's it's horrible for anybody to get to that stadium and it was crappy the day it was built it was leaking they, they had the roof leaking the day that the stadium opened in or for the day that the rays made their debut there in, in uh 1998 it was like the roof was leaking so from the very beginning that stadium has been an utter disaster and just horrible planning all around and so you want somebody who at least has some experience dealing with you know fly balls there and he has that and yes he can't see to hit but it doesn't really matter because he's still your best option at shortstop if you had a better option at shortstop than him maybe you'd do it but I also don't think like if you got into the postseason you wouldn't want to bench your like probably best hitter on your team best or second best hitter you wouldn't want to have that happen if you know if everything goes great and we somehow end up in the world series against them uh in october you wouldn't want to have have told willie adamas back in in july or back in june hey we needed to bench you for these two games because we don't think you can play here well what does that do to him for like potentially like a world series matchup like you you don't want to you don't want to put that in his head and just you just you roll with it and let him play because he is one of your better hitters and he's certainly you know one of your best defenders so just roll with it absolutely all right next patreon question comes from bill rob he's got 
two uh, separate questions here. So the first one is apparently the Brewers were going after Brian Reynolds last summer. What did they offer and how far did they get? Second question is the Brewers have had several very poor records in the past in games during the last week or two before the All-Star break, often against the Pirates. Seems like a vulnerable stretch again this year. So I guess first question, I I don't know if I heard that the Brewers were seriously in on Brian Reynolds last summer, so I don't know if we have a lot of insight on that. Uh, but second question here is a good one. And uh, yeah, I, I always remember the infamous five-game sweep at the hands of the Pirates in, was that 2018 even? Uh, I think where, it was 2019, actually. 2019, where they it was the end of a really long road trip, right? And they just all looked really exhausted. <laughs> it was monsooning that last game before the All-Star break. But yeah, Ryan, it, it seems like the Brewers kind of uh, stumbled to the All-Star break pretty frequently. Um, I guess thoughts on that and if that could happen again. I know they've got a series against the Giants before they close things out. So um, well, not really the, an easy they're... They're they're at Minnesota and then at San Francisco, so I'd say yeah, they're going to stumble into the <laughs> they're going to stumble yeah. into the All Star break. Yeah, there is a strong possibility of that again this year. We're still two weeks away, so it's it's a little bit early for the uh, the PNC pre All Star curse to be in effect here. I mean, we have the Pirates still coming up next week at home, so I yeah, it's a little early for talking about that, but yeah, I, I definitely look at that Giant series. They've had some really bad runs against the Giants out there, even against some mediocre to bad Giants teams when they've been good. So hopefully this is not that case because the Giants are actually pretty good this year. They're they're still uh, managing to outplay all expectations somehow every year. They they are now that team. I mean they're they're forty and thirty six. Or they okay? So they've been on a little bit. Last I looked, they were like they're, almost ten games over five hundred. So. I mean, they're fine. They're not great. They're third behind the Padres and uh, Dodgers, obviously. Yeah, and they're also in a tougher division than we are, too. They have two pretty good teams in front of them that they have to deal with, even if... And, like, you know, the Rockies weren't horrible early on, though they've certainly stumbled now. The the Diamondbacks are legit really bad. Like, legit really, really bad. But... eh, But they're better than the Rockies. It's... Are they... Did the have the Rockies fallen below the the Diamondbacks now? They have. Holy cow! Yikes! Because yeah, yeah, oof, yeah. Well, it is the Rockies, so the Rockies are going to Rocky. That's so that's going to. At go. least they have their uh, uh, City Connect jerseys that everybody likes. Oh, yeah, the Rockies. Yeah, yeah. Those are not great. Yeah. <laughs> you you, so you don't I, want to wear a license plate when you uh, go out and play baseball. <laughs> I actually haven't seen them so. I'm also not the uniform guy. Yeah, they're like green pants, mostly green shirts with the little mountain tops on them, right? Yeah, it, it is the Colorado license plate. Yeah, I saw the uh, the set photos for the Barbie movie going around, and uh, I thought those were the Padres City Connect jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. Come on, rollerblading and wearing fluorescent colors. That seems like it would be a, a San Diego thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, or just something from the early 90s. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question here comes from Chris Richards asking, are the chances of Yelich finishing with a slash line of 270, 380, 420 greater or lesser than the chances of the Dems holding the Senate this fall? Uh, I'm not going to touch the political aspect of this, but uh, let's just uh, focus on Yelich 
Uh, as of recording now, he's hitting 256, 349, 396. Uh, that launch angle, still not good. Uh, I think it's below below seven. Yeah, it's 5.8 degrees now. So uh, still not elevating the ball. But I guess, Steve, are you optimistic about Christian Yelich finishing with a line <laughs> like that, knowing uh, how you feel about Christian Yelich? Or are you kind of taking the under on that? I mean, I'd take the under on it only because he'd literally have to hit like that all season long with no ebb and flow to his game, I think. Um, And I don't see that happening just because it's baseball and it's hard. Um, And we've seen him go through, you know, he he had a run, what, in early May where he looked like he was back to the old Yelich, and then he turned into a guy who couldn't hit the ball at all for, you know, a handful of weeks. So I think just... You know, maybe what we're seeing right now for his slash line is kind of like what I could see at the end of the season. But I have a hard time seeing him raising his his you know on base by what is it thirty points? Yeah, thirty points. He getting his uh, slugging up another. I mean, maybe he gets it up another thirty points. I think he, he might be able to get close to it, but I it's still I think kind of an uphill battle. Like I said, it's. If for some reason he's able to basically hit without any really like big uh, slumps in there, yeah, I think he, he might be able to get to that, but that's just hard to do over the, you know, a half of baseball season. Yeah, I mean, he has been really good since moving to the uh, the leadoff spot now. Uh, he's at- been getting on base. Well, no, Let's he's been say, he's been really good. I'm gonna give you the full numbers here. Just give me a minute. He's been getting on base. <laughs> like his power is still not there. I'm sorry, he's got a hit for power, and his power is just not there. So, he, 108 plate appearances in the leadoff spot now, and uh, averaging 326 on base, 421. So, to Steve's point, doing a really good job of getting on base. Uh, slugging of 467. So he's basically at 150 okay. ISO. If he can maintain 150 ISO for the rest of the year, uh, that's fine. If it comes with the the on base percentage over 400 or even like around 400, um, if that ISO can stay kind of around that point, uh, that's fine. He, right now, as a leadoff hitter, he has a uh, 0.888 OPS, so he's just shy of 900 for an OPS as a leadoff hitter. That's I mean, how many perfect. guys put up? 400 plus on base percentages and really don't hit for significant power. Like very, a 200, very few. a 200 ISO. Yeah. Very, you know? very, very few because uh, pitchers tend to not be scared of them and they tend to come into the zone on them. And, uh, and so it, it becomes harder to walk, but for and some at this reason, point, I, yeah, at this point, I don't know what to say because he hasn't really punished pitchers in any way, but they're still like, pitching around him to a certain degree. So we keep waiting for that moment when they decide to attack him, and then maybe the power returns and it doesn't happen. But they don't attack him. But I'm just saying, it's going to be really hard to maintain that on-base percentage without the power basically to drive um, at least a few extra walks in there. I don't, so it'll be, like I said, hopefully what we're seeing right now for his overall season line is kind of like what he can end at, but I mean, Christian Yelich is a very weird player. More than anything, he's extremely <laughs> weird. He was able to be a superstar with 
a fly ball rate that is not a superstar fly ball rate. He's able to be an MVP doing that and hit for a ton of power by not really hitting the ball in the air very much. He's a weird dude. Like everything about his game is strange. And this confounding thing about the fact that pitchers still are afraid of him, even though they, they shouldn't be. We, we agree on the idea that like pitchers should not be afraid of Christian Yelich. They should not be afraid to pound the zone on him, but they are. And they continue to be, and it's been confounding to everybody. So I don't know at this point why I would expect that to change because we have a long track record of it at this point. Like he has, pitchers have shown that they're afraid of him long past the point they had any reason to do that. So why should I just assume that's going to end at some point now? It's, it's baffling. It's weird, but I think we've gotten to a sample size here where you go, He's he's been garbage Christian Yelich for a longer period of time than he was, you know, MVP uh, best hitter in the game. Christian Yelich. Yeah. A garbage Christian Yelich is still an above average big league hitter. It's not this is not it's, like Cody Bellinger. Co- garbage no. Cody Bellinger like that dude forgot how to hit. Which, you know what? That one doesn't surprise me because you look at the way that guy swung. It's like either pitchers were going to figure him out or his body was going to break down like sure. highlight uppercut swing right yeah when when that was going on it's like man dodger fans enjoy this while it lasts because just the violence of that swing you know that was going to take him down at some point anyways but it just so happened that he completely forgot how to hit before um i think injuries completely uh, undercut his game but to make the point garbage Christian Yelich as you so you know lovingly call him like he's not that bad that's not a terrible player garbage Christian Yelich is they're paying him to be not that bad yeah but that gets into the whole expectations and well but it's you know people then say like oh they need to go out and get somebody you know get another bat and it's like well they 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 paid for that and they're getting the players to put around that bat but that bat just decided that he's not going to be that guy anymore yeah, and for the long term, it is definitely concerning. But for this team specifically, they have enough power on this roster without him. With Christian Yelich hitting seven home runs to this point, they're in the top five in home runs in MLB. So they have the power on this team where they don't need to get power from him to have power. Uh, they have plenty of it kind of up and down the lineup in all other spots. What they don't have on this team is what he's giving them right now and why their offense has been on such a heater right now is dude is getting on base a lot. And that is the biggest need that they have. They don't have a lot of guys who are getting on base at like even like solid clips, let alone like excellent clips like you know what he's been doing at 421 since he's been in the leadoff spot. That's really, really good. And it's more of what they need than like the the power, which again, like I said, for long term, you're right. That is a long term concern. He's going to need to hit for power. But in this moment, for this offense to be good, he doesn't really need to hit for power. They have plenty of it. All right. Our next Patreon question this week comes from PJ Wessels uh, asking, here's to June being done and July starting better. How many wins over 500 do the Brewers get this month? So I believe they ended June at 12 and 15, right? Which is not all that bad considering they had that eight game losing streak in the middle there or actually to start the month. They started one and nine. So Mm -hmm. all things considered, probably not a bad month when you look at that context. Uh, But I guess let's just start, uh, Ryan. How do you think things play out the rest of July? They're off to a good start so far. 
Yeah, and the schedule has plenty of cream puffs on it, though there are a decent number of good teams here. Uh, they finish against the Pirates today with Woodruff. Hopefully that goes well, and you end this with a 4-2 and two road trip. That would be great. Even a 3-3 three and three road trip, you never get too upset about that. Um, they come home starting on Monday, and they have a three-gamer against the Cubs and a three-gamer against the Pirates. You would hope to come out of that with you know, four plus wins, but you know, who knows? Uh, it gets harder right before the break. As Steve was talking about, they have a two gamer at the twins and then a four gamer in San Francisco that has the potential to be really rough. And then there's the four day all-star break. Uh, they come out of it hosting the Rockies. So hopefully they can make some hay there. Uh, actually you have a four gamer against the Rockies and then they have a two gamer against the twins at home. And then they finish up the month on the road at Fenway against the Red Sox. So it's kind of a mixed bag. There's some bad teams, probably more bad than good teams in there. But there are some legitimately pretty good teams in there. The Twins are leading their division. The Red Sox have been on a real heater since uh, they got off to that terrible start. So Mm -hmm. they've been quite good. The Giants are, you know, they're an above 500 team. They can be pretty tough, especially in that park. They can be pretty tough. So... I, I would hope they come out of the month making some progress, you know, a few games over 500 for the month. Um, that would be probably an indicator that things are going fairly well. Uh, if they come out of it really, really hot, then you're looking at going into the into the the trade deadline, looking to make a splash. You know, they it, it, it could be that they get more aggressive at the deadline at that point because if things are really looking up around that time and the deadline is a little bit late this year, I think it's on the first, right? It's on Monday, the first of, of August. It's, it's in August. Yeah. Or maybe it's Tuesday. I I forget which, but it is, it's not July 31st this year. Yeah. Cause that's a Sunday afternoon. So they didn't, yeah, they didn't sock teams with that. So I'm, I think that, uh, they, they have definitely, uh, some bad teams here to beat up on mixed in with some good teams. So, uh, I would hope to see, you know, a, a few games over 500 here is sort of the realistic hope. But you never know. It's baseball. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think these uh, games against the the Pirates and Cubs get canceled out by the uh, Twins and Giants. Um, so then you're hoping to make some hay against Colorado to make up for the fact that you have the Twins and then uh, Red Sox there at the end of the month. So I think you're kind of hoping for a 500 month. That's about it. Hmm. I just yeah. think it's, it, it's going to be tough. You know, I think some of the the away series they have are tough series. Sure. And, you know, this is a month, too, I think, where you have to keep the perspective of the full season, right? Where, yeah, there's some tough games, tough series in this month. But just remember that August and September are much more kind to the Brewers, especially with the Brewers being at home for most of the month of September, as we've talked about. And in October, um, yeah, they'd like hardly leave. They hardly leave Milwaukee after what the first week in September. It's right. barely on the road at that point. Right. So, yeah, I, I think I'm with you guys. Like, if they can keep it at 500, even a couple, two or three games over that, that'd be excellent. And then, yeah, you hopefully have reinforcements coming in the trade deadline or uh, with, you know, like you said, Freddie Peralta possibly coming back sometime in August. I think that sets you up really well for the last couple of months of the season. Um, and, and that's kind of the thing to focus on, regardless of, of you know, how things play out or how the Cardinals do too. You know, if you could get out of this month still with a game or two lead over them, uh, 
that'd be great too because we don't see the Cardinals again until late in the year. So um, I think it's important to kind of keep that buffer in the meantime as well. Yeah, to Steve's point here, he made a good point. Their road series this month at the Twins, at the Giants, and at the Red Sox, that's rough. And if you can come out of those series, uh, because that's a total of – would be 10 games. 10, is that 10 no, games? Yeah. it's uh, it's oh, nine, games. nine games. Nine games. Yeah. If you can yeah. come out of that, like four and five of those nine games, you're really set up to be to have a huge month because then you have the Cubs, Pirates, Rockies and just a two gamer against the Twins at home. Uh, you yeah. probably can really make some hay there. So the key is going to be to just not have that that road trip that ends the, the first half here. If you can make that like a, a three and three or even like a two and four road trip, uh, you're you're set up great. Like things are things are humming at that point. Absolutely. All right. Before we go, we do have a couple of Twitter questions I want to get to uh, just because we had that late call for questions and, and you guys uh, did send it a couple that way as well. A reminder, even if you're not a patron, you can send us a question to talk to, talk about if we can get to it in time at MKE tailgate. On Twitter, you can also follow all of us. Ryan's at RD Top. I'm at James L. Steve is at uh, what are you? Steve Garshinsky. Good luck spelling Garshinsky, but it's in the it's in the <laughs> MKE tailgate thing uh, in the tweet that we put out this week too. It autofills. Uh, it autofills. Yeah, yeah. If you follow him, it'll take care of it for you. All right. Uh, so our first Twitter question comes from PJ's Mike Brasso Stan account. Asking, can we get a Yelich launch angle average since he moved to leadoff? I am not that adept at the StatCast page, Ryan. Maybe you can figure out how to filter this. Uh, I don't know if they can do splits for that. I know there's two separate sections for StatCast and uh, splits. I tried to figure this out. I can't. But as we mentioned, it's it's below six degrees now uh, for the season. Um, and, you know, he's not hitting for power as Steve likes to note but you know he is kind of slapping it the other way he kind of got robbed on saturday on a screamer right at o'neill cruz who's a literal giant standing at shortstop (laughs) that kind of took away two two rbis there uh but i don't know i I guess ryan have you kind of noticed a change in the approach since he moved to the leadoff spot or is he just kind of more comfortable okay yeah yeah for sure i think that he is definitely looking to put the ball to all fields more um, lately, I'm trying to find a, a split here to back that up. I can't. Statcast is weird about what they allow you to uh, to do splits. Like you can't do splits for. From what I can tell, you can't split uh, the Statcast data. You could do splits, but it's of just like more uh, of the general like OPS. That's where I got the right. the, uh, the batting line from in the leadoff spot. But um, I have noticed that he he seems to be taking more of an all fields approach. We've seen him, you know, lay down bunts for hits. Uh, which Mm -hmm. the way that uh, defensive uh, teams have started to line him up more traditionally. Remember in 2018, 19, uh, they would put extreme uh, shifts on for some of the guys like uh, Travis Shaw, Moustakis. Those guys would get shifted that way. Uh, You know, the the extreme Ted Williams shift and Yelich wouldn't because teams were afraid because he could really hit the ball to all fields pretty yeah, uh, accurately and and like did that quite a bit before he went on the true power binge in the second half of 2018, especially. But now it, it like teams are doing more of that. And so it, they've opened up that uh, that left side for him, the third base side. And he has taken advantage of it on occasion. But 
he still, when he does put the ball on the ground, it tends to mostly still be. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the uh, the Statcast spray chart here. It still tends to be, you know, right into that shifted second baseman yeah. out in short right, which or up the middle where there's a guy standing now, right? Right, yeah. or up the middle where there's a guy standing now, and it'll be interesting to see because for all indications, we believe there is going to be a shift ban next year that they are going to <laughs> not allow it anymore. And it will be fascinating to see what that does for Christian Yelich because he might be like the poster boy for that making a difference to his game, potentially, <laughs> right. right? Like it he actually really puts might. the ball in play. Yeah, exactly. Well, when he puts the ball in play, it tends to be on the ground and it tends to be in that particular vicinity from what James is saying, right up the middle over to that uh, that deep right field uh, second baseman or you know shifted third baseman whoever they have playing out there it tends to be in that zone so much and if they're not allowed to to stack that area with all these uh, extra defenders that could really change things for him so hopefully that is the case but we'll have to just wait and see all right. One last Twitter question before we get out this week comes from McNam003 asking, who would love the Infinity Gauntlet more, Ken Maka or Ron Renneke? I, I think this is kind of tongue in cheek, but, you know, of course, the Brewers new home run celebration putting on the uh, Infinity Gauntlet because I guess they are inevitable. Uh, but uh, they seem to be having a lot of fun with that. So uh, I guess, Steve, what would Ken Maka think of something like that? <laughs> Yeah, Ken Maka would have no time for that. <laughs> no. I think Run, Run and Ron would like to give uh, signals to send guys with the gauntlet, maybe. but uh, <laughs> He would have a certain yeah. like hand up position for the contact yeah, exactly. play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, just snap for the contact play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's inevitable, so he'll <laughs> snap for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Maka, definitely not. Uh, he'd be... <laughs> Oh, that man. wouldn't go over well. It would be amusing to see. I mean, they they tried. He was out in the bowling ball celebration, but <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, he uh, he was he yeah he was such a sourpuss. Like and, he sm- he was yeah. smiling in those in the photo for that. He didn't quite hit the ground like everybody else, but he he smiled for it. Yeah, I, so I think that was the last joyous oh, moment man. they had with him. <laughs> <laughs> the only joyous moment. It was not a uh, a banner two years for the Brewers. That was. Uh, and and it was no. you know Ken gets uh, I think rightly uh, shit on for some of his attitudinal stuff and not getting along with the players very well except for weirdly Corey Hart like him and Corey Hart were besties but aside from that like I don't think Ryan Braun really cared for him very much and no. was somewhat open about that so you have that but Ken also wasn't given a pitching staff like let's be honest he he was not given any pitching for that time period so you you know that meme i was just thinking about this this week the uh one where it's oh yeah all those all those very famous ken maka memes no no no. (laughs) different meme the meme where uh if they talk to the woman and they say if you could go back in time what would you do and she'd be like she would go meet her grandmother or something and and then they ask the guy and it would be something stupid sports related right like what would you do mine would be go back to 2006 and tell doug melvin to get more pitching like that would be, if I had a time machine, I, I would go back in time and do that. 
You're 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 describing a meme segment here. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know this one at all. Oh, you've not seen that one, James? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I've I've seen them. It, the problem is, uh, we can see each other, and this is not a visual medium for everybody else. So it, it's tough to to describe memes, and that never goes well in my experience. Sure. So yes, but we anyway, just sound the, like a bunch of old guys. The yeah. point being that if I could go back in time, I would go back and tell <laughs> Doug Belvin in 2006 get more pitching because by 2009 and 10 it was uh it was really slim pickings for the pitching on that team and they needed a lot more of it for all the hitters that they had and actually steve and i used to argue about this quite a bit and i think i've come around to your standpoint which was they should have traded some of that kidding that they had you know your Corey hearts your jj hardy's your bill yeah. halls they should have traded some of that to get pitching in that time period when they really needed it because they just did not have the pitching depth that they needed to be a good team in that time period. They were always scraping by. And it was only you know, like the miracle of CC Sabathia that got them in in 2008. And then 2011, they had to basically unload the farm system and give up Lorenzo Cain. You know, they gave up Lorenzo Cain and other guys as well. But, you know, they gave up Lorenzo Cain to get, uh, you know, a year and a half of Zach Greinke. So it was not an ideal situation just because they could not develop their own pitching all because they botched the carlos lee trade ah the famous <laughs> yes. carlos lee yeah kevin, kevin Mench. mentioned coco cordero yeah yeah exactly yeah and the, and that other guy well and they also traded doug davis Who's, for uh johnny yeah. estrada yep and yeah, well. uh tony graffinino uh, they they traded sorry they traded Jorge, Jorge De, La Rosa de La Rosa for, to get Tony yeah. Graffinino for like a rental and yeah they made some really really poor decisions in that time period as far as pitching went. Yep, uh, not not Doug Melvin's finest moments there. No, but, yeah, all right. Well, uh, thanks for the questions, everybody. Uh, a reminder, you can send us a question on Twitter at MKE Tailgate or become a patron for two bucks a month. Get question priority and the guarantee that we ask your question here on the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate there. Also, when you sign up to become a patron, you get a shout out here on the podcast. And it looks like we have a new patron to shout out this week, Ryan. Who do we have? We have Joey. Welcome to the fold, Joey. Joey. How yeah. you doing? Just Joey. Yeah. <laughs> was, was waiting for that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, th- I thought I thought you were going to sing your favorite Bob Dylan song. Uh, that is not my favorite Bob Dylan song. Oh. It's not in the top fifty, I don't think. But uh, it is. It's fine. It's a perfectly cromulent Bob Dylan song. But uh, it's uh, it's not towards the top of the list. All right. Well, thanks, Joey, for signing up. A uh, reminder for everyone else. Uh, Ryan and James Anderson going to be recording that MLB draft preview over on the Patreon side this week, too. So if you want to get the heads up uh, a week or so head start on learning who's in this year's draft pool and what the Brewers might do, just go and sign up for the $5 a month level there as well. And you will get that podcast sometime this week. In the meantime, everybody, we would appreciate it if you leave us a review and rating for this podcast. A reminder, when Paul's here, he will read any five-star review you leave. Uh, so uh, there's your incentive there to do that. Just hit that uh, five-star rating, leave us a review. And while you're there, please do hit that follow or subscribe button, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, just to be sure that you don't miss an episode. So 
you get that alert to your phone as well. So uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening this week. Hope you all have a good, uh, happy, healthy 4th of July holiday weekend. Uh, Spend it with family or friends or or whoever you want. And uh, we will be back here next week to talk about uh, the ever-approaching All-Star break and and, uh, mid-season stuff here on Milwaukee's Tailgate. So we will see you then. Have a good one. And don't lose any fingers.